It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Jeff Fiegel's with you. Today's guest is going to be Tony Pauline from the Pro Football Network. But first, I want to remind everybody you can find Big Blue Kickoff Live and all of our podcasts on the Giants Podcast Network presented by Investors Bank, which you can find on the Giants mobile app on all your favorite podcast platforms and at Giants.com slash podcast. Mr. Fiegel's, hope you had a good weekend, my friend. Mine was fine, John. Mine was good. We, uh... Yeah, we've got some melting going on here, which is good. Starting to see some grass, which means my dog is happy. <laughs> yes, and it's actually you know I mean? it's funny. Our first guest, Jeff, was smart enough this past weekend uh-huh. to get out of the snowy, you know, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York area, and that is Tony Pauline from the Pro Football Network. And, Tony, I'm just going to let you and Fiegels go here a little bit because <laughs> – uh, and Tony, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but he was traveling with his daughter who was looking for colleges this weekend. And mm. guess what school down in sunny Florida he oh, visited, Jeff? Okay. Well, hey, if it's, it's, it's that one down in Coral Gables, I'm a big fan. That's good. I love it. Yeah, we were there. I mean, my daughter's a dancer, so she was looking at some of the dance programs there. And, uh, you know, usually at this time of the year, I would be at a cramped table with uh, John Schmelke and Paul Latino <laughs> in the media room of the Combine. but. Yep. Since yep. the combine was canceled, uh, I had a few extra days. She wanted to see some uh, some schools in Florida. So and not only got to see some great campuses, the University of Miami, University of Tampa, 85 degrees and sunny, sunny without a cloud in the sky the past four days. And I come back to uh, overcast skies and drizzle mm-hmm. in New York. Please get me back to Florida. You know, Jeff, the funny thing is I, I told Tony to, 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 to find the Jeff Fiegel statue to, like, put some laurels in front of it, but he said they wouldn't let well, him inside the janitor's no, no, closet no, yeah. where it's you located. Can't, you can't get close to that. I mean, well, you know, it's, it's funny because, we, you know, there's <laughs> obviously with COVID and the pandemic, the uh, the the attendance or the the, the student students on campus are, are limited, but I, I kept seeing these people kind of stopping and bowing. I didn't know what the heck it was, and then we, we were going to the dance building, and, and there was a statue there with Jeff Fiegel. So now I, you know, you yeah, know, I, I was like, wow. I don't know why it's in the dance studio, but I would have I would have been better off, I think, over by the football facility. But still, uh, you know, if there's a statue there, I love it, and people bowing to it is even better. I it, it's funny that. When I was, uh, this is back in the day, back in the late 80s when I was there, um, th- I was from Arizona. I, can't, you know, I grew up there, and so going to warm weather was not a big deal for me. But it's funny because I remember when I was in school, not kind of putting two and two together, just like, hey, where are you from? Oh, I'm New Jersey, New York, Washington, you know, all these schools that, or all these, these towns from the Northeast, and it really never really occurred to me when I was there that, this is why everybody comes down here so nice and warm and everything. Now that I have kids and talking to parents that are, you know, having their kid children go down to Miami, I understand it. I get it more and more now why people are going down there. But a great school uh, academically, awesome, awesome uh, school. Much better today than it was when I was there, I could tell you that. But best of luck with the, with the school search because I know it can be a little bit daunting at times. And 
Uh, we just hope your daughter will land in the right place, and that would be down in South Florida. I appreciate it. Thank you. And the bills haven't even and the bills haven't even started rolling in yet. So yeah, that's where the yeah. It's not part exactly uh, cheap to go to Miami, by the way, as you know, I'm sure. But uh, hopefully, she'll get a little bit of money somehow. Don't worry, Tony. I'm sure they can get you on the uh, Jeff Fiegel's financial aid program. It'll be okay. Everything, everything know, will work Tony. out. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> it'll it'll all predicates it all predicate itself on how much great information you give John and I today on this program. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Tony, I think that's I think that's a good way to start because despite what Jeff would love, we're not going to talk about Miami uh, all, all show. Well, the reason two guys from Miami, well, we can that talk is true. About, uh, so. The reason the reason we had Tony Pauline or the reason we're having Tony Pauline on is to discuss the draft. So, Tony, let's start here. You mentioned it. We normally be in Indianapolis right now, having some hangover from our you know fifth serving of horseradish lathered shrimp over at St. Elmo's Steakhouse. But mm. instead, uh, we're all home. But there was something of a testing event over the weekend at all these Exos training facilities. I was expecting that they'd be testing numbers and figures, people posting stuff all over the place. But it's been relatively quiet, except for that one little piece that I saw about Rashad Bateman. What have you heard about what happened at those Exos facilities over the weekend trying to simulate some of these usual typical combine activities? Uh, I think the greater thing which I reported last week was what, was, what, 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 what wasn't happening. And that was a lot of the guys weren't even going to participate. They, they had no interest mm-hmm. in participating. They were going to wait for their pro days. NFL scouts were not allowed in at these workouts. And they were going to take the testing times and the testing results with a grain of salt. They were going to wait until they get these players at pro days. If there were position drills done, they were going to look at the tape of the position drills because at this point in time they will take anything as far as position drills are concerned to watch the hip movement in the case of Rashad Bateman, watching how he runs routes as he stay low, his footwork. So I think the headlines were bigger than the actual event because there weren't a lot of guys who participated, and the NFL scouts were not only not allowed in, but they really weren't too interested in the testing results. Hmm. You know, it's funny that I'm just wondering how much of this information that we didn't have um, that the players and the NFL themselves had, and because that's why this is not very popular at this point, and that, you know, they are, and I don't know much about this, Tony, I will tell you, but, you know, maybe you can enlighten me a little bit. The pro days, are they going to be limited amount of people that can be there, just scouts? I mean, what's, what's going on with the, the pro days? Sounds to me like those are obviously going to be more important than the, than the XO's combine sites that John mentioned. It's not just a limited amount of people. It's a limited amount of scouts, which is a concern to mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of the teams. And now what the league has said is the league has told NFL, the colleges you can have as many pro days as you want. So if you're a team like Alabama, like Clemson, where you've got a ton of prospects on both sides, like Ohio State, I shouldn't say Clemson doesn't have that many on defense, Ohio State, you can have three or four pro days, have offense one day, defense the next day, offensive lineman, defensive lineman. And while it sounds good in theory, the, the schools aren't going to allow this. The schools are going to try and really kind of push in, squeeze in one pro day, except in the case of Alabama, they are going to stay with their two pro days, and that's it. There may not even be pro days for a lot of the schools on the West Coast. I mean, the Washington, the Washington States, the Oregons, the California schools, those pro days are really in jeopardy. And I've got to tell you, I've said this for a while, I think the NFL has done a, did a great job getting the season going, Getting, pulling the season off, they've done a terrible job with these workouts. They've done a terrible job with, with, with the pro days and lead-up to the draft. 
they should have allowed the scouts to attend these workouts sure. at these uh, Exos facilities in Texas, in Florida, in Arizona. They should allow the scouts to attend these workouts to minimize the travel. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you don't want people traveling around the nation, let them go to these workouts. Break the rules or bend the rules for this one year. Yeah, I'm with you. You get everyone in a centralized location, you get it done, you do it safely, and then that helps you in the long run. So how do you think, Tony, you know, some teams take the timing and the testing more seriously than others. They have thresholds that you have to meet. You know, we know about these pro days. Like Penn State, it's famous. You know, these guys basically run on concrete there, right, in order to get their testing numbers up. You know, some schools have basically 39-yard dashes instead of 40-yard dashes. So how seriously are teams going to take these scores even from pro days? And is this just going to be something that isn't, take it into consideration as much this year without having the combine and the, you know, normalized testing for every player. The teams need information. That is the the greatest value. That is the greatest resource. If you don't have information, height, weight, 40 time, uh, vertical jumps, most importantly, medicals on players. That was my question. That that is a huge uh, red flag. To your point, I mean, there are – Ohio State is famous for it because Ohio State has a 40-yard strip of hard rubber that they use specifically for their pro day. Now, what teams usually do is, if it's a super-fast surface, they may take off .05 seconds on a, on a player's 40 time. If it's a slow surface, a surface they may add a little, I'm sorry, they may add, if it's a fast surface, they'll add .05. If it's a slow surface, they may reduce some. At this point in time, any information is usable information because of the fact that there's you're not going to have 330 players minus a few who choose to opt out working out at the pro at the uh, combine well how how are they going to i know that the the medical side of it is just as important for some of the guys that run 40 times and the cone drill especially if they're coming off of an injury in a season that they just finished how how are how is this going to be uh, how's it going to be done? Is it going to be done at their own schools? And then the medical guys are going to put out the information? Enlighten me a little bit on this one, Tony. Well, the medical is actually more important than the testing. The medical sure. is, is, is the number one priority. And the medical, if a guy tests off the charts, if he's a 6'2", 210-pound receiver that runs a four two eight, and his medicals come back bad, boom, he's going to drop down draft boards. Mm-hmm. The game plan now is, the combine invitations went out, and what they hope to do or what the plan to do is in the beginning of April, I heard, I've heard the dates are April 8th, 9th, and 10th, they're going to have regionalized medical examinations where depending on what area of the country mm-hmm. you live in, if you get a combine invitation, you're going to be sent to a regionalized area where you're going to be checked medically, where teams can send the pieces of their medical staff, if not their entire okay. medical staff, to do the combine type of exam. The MRIs, the x-rays, the pulling of the joints, those types of things. I think where it hurts is we'll have to see what happens with the visits because a lot of the times when teams will bring in guys who were not invited to combine into their facility for a visit primarily to do medicals on these guys. Yeah. So yeah. That, is, that is the game plan right now. Now, the interest, while we, you know, the league hopes to pull this off, I know of several team uh, people, uh, personnel and team medical uh, staff that said they're not going to participate. They just don't want the risk of going into a place where there's going to be 80 kids coming in and maybe getting COVID. We'll have to see. I mean, it's still a month away. See what happens with the vaccine. See what happens with the, with the whole COVID situation with COVID. But right now they're looking at a regionalized medical exams 
for the guys who were invited to the combine. You mentioned the visits, Tony. Do we know, are there going to be any in-person video, uh, visits? Last I heard, I, th- I didn't think there was going to be, but there was going to be a near unlimited number of Zoom calls you can do with, with these guys. How is all that going to shake out? The Zoom calls have been going on, and they've been going on at a pretty good clip uh, since the Senior Bowl. In fact, uh, some players who were not invited to the Senior Bowl have been undergoing, have been taking on Zoom calls since then. I've not heard anything about the visits. I would be surprised if they uh, allow these guys to, uh, to be brought into facilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe they're allowed to bring them to off-facility areas where they can do exams. Either I have not heard anything definitive. I've not even heard a rumor about that. The biggest rumor and the biggest topic of conversation was the combine, and when the combine was canceled, what happens with the medicals for, the, for those combine invitees? It's, 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 I, I, you know, again, here we are in COVID, and things are constantly changing. It's so fluid. And now we're going into, you know, I guess last year, I guess we could all say that we got a little bit lucky with at the beginning of this that some of the testing, all that stuff went on. But I, I think it's all going to depend on the old tape, right, Tony? I mean, this is what coaches really look at. They look at the guys in their game films, and uh, they're going to have to go and grade them on that kind of stuff. And if they're so fortunate to be able to get in front of them, that's great. But thank God for Zoom and because, uh, you know, the offseason last year wouldn't have happened without it. And I think now this is the, even these players, they're so used to it, um, having their meetings online and school online, that it's no big deal for them. And going back to your, you know, your, your point about go, 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 you know, relying on the film, relying on the game tape, mm-hmm. you, know, you talk to teams, and I talked to them back in August, and you had a plethora of guys who were opting out of the 2020 sure. season primarily to prepare for the draft. And all the scouts told me, you know what, it's real nice if a defensive back runs a 6-9 in the three-cone, but we want to see game film. And impressive game film is more important than a guy taking off the entire season. So maybe he knocks off a tenth of a second or he knocks a tenth of a second off of his three-cone time. So you're absolutely right. You know, the game film is a large part of the narrative, as are the testing numbers. But still, for these guys who opted out because they wanted to train an extra three months to get their 40 time down, some of them I I thought made questionable decisions, and I think some are going to hurt themselves in the end. All right, Tony, last question before we start getting into individual players here and what might happen in the top 10, et cetera. Um, You know, you mentioned all these things that are different. I think another thing that people don't talk enough about about is that these scouts were not allowed on campus for the most part this year. So, you know, we've talked about the medical, we've talked about the testing, we've talked about the game film. You know, getting background on these guys and the off-field stuff, how is that impacting the scouting community this year, not being able, these teams not being able to have their scouts on campus throughout the season? You want your scout on campus to watch practices to see how a guy practices. You know, is he out there? Is he enthusiastic? Is he dogging it? You want to see body types. You want to see movement. You want to see how engaged he is during practice. Uh, they will be able to get some of the information from the coaches, from the, uh, from the coaching staff at a particular school. I don't think it's going to be as extensive in the past because the guy – you know, can't see North Carolina State practice on a Tuesday, talk to the coaches, see North Carolina practice on a Wednesday, talk to the coaches, go to Wake Forest on Thursday. So it's going to be a, a significantly less detailed. They will have some. But, yeah, I, again, like everything else, like the medicals, like the, uh, the, the testing, it's going to be reduced, which is why I say any information this year is usable information. And, of course, you know, what happens, too, is that when you ask coaches and they're their, their own players, 
you know, they're going to trend. They're going to bend the truth a little bit. You know, oh, he's great in the weight room. He's great on the field. He runs around when you got your own set of eyes on those guys. It's a little bit different. Well, you know, he said he was great on the field. He hustles around. The guy sits on the water cooler all day. I mean, you know, so there's a lot of things to take away from that, I'm sure. And, and a lot of times the coaches like to pump up their own players anyways. And I know that those scouts love to get in front of those guys and just to see with their own eyes how they can run through practice and, you know, what their energy level is and, and most importantly, some of their leadership skills. Even the body types. I mean, you yeah. know, when you're looking at a guy in shorts, you're looking for certain things. You're looking to see if he's got scars, you know, because scars <laughs> is a telltale sign that he's had some surgeries. Sure. And that may not be as doable this year. Yeah. All right, Tony, let's take a look at some of these players here. The Giants will be keeping a very close eye on at number 11. What players might be left on the board when they select. So I guess we could start here. How many quarterbacks do you think are going to the top 10? And how busy do you think the trade market's going to be for people to try to move up in front of the Giants to get some of these quarterbacks? I think right now you're looking at three quarterbacks in the, in the top 10. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. That third quarterback, I lean towards Justin Fields, although a lot of people feel Justin Fields is going to fall out of the top 10. Some people have Trey Lance in the top 10. I'm a little bit concerned about it because he's only played uh, one year of college football, and that started started one year of college football, and that was in the Division One AA level. So whoever that third quarterback is, I think there'll be three taken in the top ten. I think it may be a stretch to get four guys, uh, four signal calls in the top ten. How about Mac Jones? Uh, we saw Peter King write this morning, Tony, that a lot of teams, because he's a safer player, to your point about Trey Lance's experience, that they might have Mac Jones ahead of Trey Lance on their board just because they're more comfortable with what he showed on tape this year. Yeah, absolutely. Not only on tape, but at the Senior Bowl. Because sure. if you were at Senior Bowl practices, he was fantastic. And his three days of practice at the Senior Bowl was almost like a seamless transition from the national title game. You thought that the, court, the receivers he was throwing to at the Senior Bowl were the same receivers he was throwing to at the, uh, at the national title game because he was so in tune with them. He was so accurate. I could understand that to a point. In fact, I've said that after Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, I believe, is the most NFL-ready quarterback mm-hmm. in this year's draft. With guys like Justin Fields, with guys like Trey Lance, there may be more bumps in the road. They have greater upside, but if you rush them too soon, they may not be able to handle it. I could see that, but still, with Mac Jones, you're giving away a bit in the physical areas, physical skills department with the arm strength, with the size, with the stature, which leads me to believe that he's going to be a little bit later on in the first round. Could I see a team taking Mac Jones before Trey Lance? Absolutely, because if you select Trey Lance in the first round of this year's draft, you may have to sit him for a year. The guy played one game last year, not due to any fault of his own. North Dakota State only played one game. He's only played, like I said, had one starting year of college, only one year of starting on the college level, and that was on a Division One AA level. And you look at the history of quarterbacks that started one year in, on college, and then made the jump to the NFL. Dwayne Haskins, Mitch Trubisky, go back to Mark Sanchez. History has not been kind to those types of players. So with Trey Lance, you may have to sit him for a year where Mac Jones is almost is just about NFL ready. Yeah, you also have to be careful if you're a general manager and you put your name on that type of quarterback in the first round, preferably the top ten. Uh, you better hope that he does well because you might be looking outside the door one day if that doesn't, you know. So I, to me, I, I am very skeptical of, of going and drafting a Trey Lance because of the things that you said, Tony. I feel like Mac Jones and, and 
John and I have talked about this a little bit about where he could go. And he's gonna. It's a team that has a good running game. You know, that's not gonna that they're gonna be very satisfied with the way that he runs the football field and and sees the field and runs the offense. And you are gonna pass up a little bit on that athleticism and some of the things that you love to see in some of these quarterbacks. But as far as the as the acumen for football, I don't think you're gonna get any better in this. Any well, maybe Trevor Lawrence. I think he's probably up there with him. But you know, it's a safe pick in my mind because of of the fact that uh, what he did this year. But it, to me. I look back at the Oklahoma, excuse me, the um, the Alabama quarterbacks of the in the past. Eh, I'd be a little bit, I don't know, I'm a little bit skeptical there of, of these. Look at all the quarterbacks; they're in a good system. They got great players around them. You know, can you take that now to the next level? And historically, that hasn't worked all that well. Completely agree with you, and I was of the same opinion of you on Mac Jones until I saw him at the Senior Bowl. Gotcha. And I've been going to Senior Bowl practices since 2000. Only missed one because they wouldn't let us in. It, it was in a covered facility. And I can tell you this about the Senior Bowl. The Senior Bowl is a kingmaker at a lot of positions, most importantly quarterback. Sure. Philip Daniel Rivers, Jones. Carson Wentz. Uh, there you go. Uh, Daniel Jones. You, you go back to Donovan McNabb. You have three good days of practice at the Senior Bowl, and your draft stock is going to take off. Uh, and that's exactly what Mac Jones did. And, and, again, I was of the same mind as you were. But when I saw him at senior bowl practices, the accuracy, not just the accuracy, the pass placement, the way he led the offense, the way he controlled the situation, I said, you know what? It, this guy is not just a product of the great talent around him at Alabama. This guy was, as a, a famous baseball player in the city once said, he was the, uh, the straw that stirred the drink there. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I came away just so impressed with him, and it was day after day after day at senior bowl practices. It wasn't just one. And really – he didn't need to be there. I mean, two of his sure. teammates were there. One guy did nothing, Devonta Smith. The other guy, Najee Harris, did next to nothing. And Mac Jones came out and competed every day and did a terrific job. And, you know, if you think about it, and he was able to play more than just that one year at Alabama, you might be looking at the next Trevor Lawrence if you think about it. You know, a guy that has been able to play for three years that people can see him develop. And then you're in a different situation. But, you know, the, I, I feel like he can, he's a guy that can definitely get better. Um, and you're not going to have to worry about his work ethic and his, his intelligence of the game. It's just a matter of uh, transitioning from college to pro, and, and those offensive coordinators and quarterback coaches will get him you know, pointed down the right road. Hey, Giants, limited Giants season tickets are on sale now for the 2021 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seat starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. All right, Tony, let's go to some of the guys the Giants might consider here. One big piece of conversation, as Jeff could attest to the last month, Ordering those top four playmakers, Kyle Pitts, who we'll throw into the mix with Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle. Break those four guys down for me. How do you have them ranked, Tony? Why? Best fit for the Giants. Give me everything you got on that group. <laughs> of, of the top, of those four guys you mentioned, Jamar Chase is far and away the top. And I, he's number two on my overall board. That's how highly I think of him. He is a terrific receiver. He's a great downfield threat. He's got a nice body. Uh, a, a nice NFL build. He's not the tallest guy in the world, but he's a stout receiver. He gets down the field and makes it difficult over the shoulder reception. He comes away with the catch in a crowd. He's feisty, but he also plays with great awareness. I mean, you go back, a large part of the success that Joe Burrow had was due to Jamar Chase. I think he's far and away the best receiver in this, in this draft. I think he's the top offensive player in this draft. Number two would be Kyle Pitts. 
Kyle Pitts is basically a 250-pound receiver playing the tight end position. And it's not just the way that Kyle Pitts played, but it's who he did it against. Watch the SEC title game. And time after time, Alabama had their top cornerback, Patrick Sertain, matched up against Kyle Pitts, and Kyle Pitts would win out. Watch the South Carolina game. South Carolina pitted their, matched their top cornerback, J.C. Horn, up against Pitts, and again, the tight end would win out. Watch the Georgia game, where he consistently beat the Georgia defensive backs, and they got three defensive backs that are going to be top 45 picks. So Pitts is – and I do not like tight ends in the top ten, but this guy – you know, he is what you would call a special player at that position. Then it would be Devonta Smith. Devonta Smith is a great receiver, good downfield receiver, excellent vertical receiver, comes away with the difficult catch, great awareness. Size has always been a concern, and I think he just exasperated that by his antics at the senior bowl. While I think Devonta Smith is a terrific receiver, I don't think he's a good fit for every single system. It may be a specific system where you're lining up in the slot, where you don't want him in cold weather situations, a team like that is going to draft Devonta Smith. And then number four would be Jalen Waddell, who I, I, I'm concerned with the injury this year. I'm not so concerned about the injury from, from a point of view that it's going to fester moving forward, but the fact is he didn't get to develop his game the way he really should have. But if you're looking for a home run threat, you're looking for a guy that you know will strike fear in opponents, can score from any point on the field, can score as a receiver or return specialist, I think Waddle is the guy for you. Tony, quickly, and John's going to hate me because he knows how much I loved Kyle Pitts. Um, but I just got to ask you this question. Are, do you see that other, other teams around the NFL, you know, this word, I, I like to use it a lot because I think that the word hybrid is, the, is kind of the word for these tight ends in the National Football League today. Um, do, do you see him at playing 50% with his hand in the ground and 50% outside somehow? Do you think teams are looking at that? or how? I mean, what's the situation do you, you feel that these guys are, would play him at, mainly a tight end, or would they actually make him a wide receiver? Wide receiver in the slot, put him in motion before the snap of the ball, use him in tight uh, on a tackle. I think it's a type of situation where he is such a good player, he is such a good athlete, the more roles you put him in, the more versatility you use for him, the more effective he will be, and the more you will, you will be able to confuse your opponent because you're always going to have to have somebody on this guy because not only is he so big, but he's so athletic, and he's such a good pass catcher. Yeah, but, well, the six-foot-six six frame, if I could match him up with any one of those cornerbacks in the National Football League, there isn't too many six-foot-four cornerbacks. So, I mean, I would try it as an offensive coordinator do exactly what you just said, get him in matchup situations where all of a sudden they can't, they can't put their guy on him, and now he's matched up against a slot corner at five-foot-nine, five-foot-ten, the game is over, especially in the red zone. And the thing is this is you're not just looking at a, good, fat, a big, fast athlete you're looking at a pretty polished pass catcher. I mean, a guy who's fundamentally sound, catches the ball with his hands away from his frame, plays with excellent balance and body control, gets up and adjusts and contorts and and pulls the ball out of the air. You know, that doesn't mean a lot to, you know, people who are listening, but it means a lot to evaluators and, and coaches and scouts who are making the decisions. Tony, two more for you. Defensive prospects that high. Do you have any of these defensive prospects worthy as top 10 picks in this class? How do you view guys like Parsons, the top two corners, maybe the edge rushers? Who are your top defensive prospects in this draft class, and exactly how high do you have them? The only two guys, defensive players I have in my top 10, are Patrick Sertain, the cornerback from Alabama, and Michael Parsons, the linebacker for Penn State. 
Parsons is a guy who decided to opt out, as we all know. He's a great athlete. He gets from point A to point B in no time at all. He's outstanding in pursuit, fast in a straight line, fast laterally, forceful. My concerns about Michael Parsons is his instincts need a lot of work. His instincts need a lot of polish. Uh, Michael Parsons was able to make plays on the college level because he was so athletic and so fast, and he was able to make up for his ability because he reacted due to his when he reacted late, and he was able to get to the point and make the play. That is a concern for me, which is why he's, I've dropped him, why he's dropping down some draft boards. I mean, you, you talked uh, a year ago, people were mocking him as a top five pick. After that, uh, Patrick Sertain I have graded slightly higher than Micah Parsons. Big, tall, physical corner, goes over six foot, great bloodlines, terrific athlete. He's physical. He's got solid ball skills. The one thing about Sertain that bothers me, does a lot of face guarding. Tends to struggle at times making plays with his back to the ball. Late getting his head back around to locate the pass in the air. That is a killer. That can be developed. We've seen it develop before, but that can lead to a lot of blown plays and a lot of big plays given up by rookie cornerbacks in the NFL. Just follow up quickly, Tony. How high up do you have Farley and then your top edge rusher, which I think is a really interesting high-risk, high-reward type of class? And I think it's the same thing with Farley. I, I mean, Farley right now is my number 21 player on the board. The thing about Farley is, I have film, and I'm sorry, I have notes on Farley since he was a freshman at Virginia Tech because I like Farley. But the, my problem with Farley is he was never a consistent shutdown cornerback. He was never a guy who dominated play after play after play. He's got excellent size. He's got excellent speed. He's physical, but he's prone to lapses here and there and giving up some big plays, which well, is why I don't have him graded as highly as other, as other people. Yeah, she's funny, Tony, really quick. I just want to chime in. When I watched him... You're right. He wasn't as fundamentally sound. Guys would get behind them. I don't remember the last time I saw a cornerback that was able to recover after getting initially beat like that, dude. Like, fast receivers that have, like, two or three steps, and all of a sudden he's, like, zip, catching up, making a play on the ball. Like, his raw physical tools are sick. Absolutely agree with you. But go back to what I said with Micah Parsons. That's why Micah Parsons was able to make so many plays for Penn State. You know what? It's very easy to do that on Saturday. No, you're right. If you rely on, rely on that on Sunday, you're going to get burned more times than not. That's my concern with Farley. That's why I don't have him great as, as highly as everyone else. As far as the pass rushers are concerned, I think Ronnie Perkins of Oklahoma is very underrated. He's an explosive guy. He's got some off-the-field issues, some character issues are going to have to be looked at, but he plays hard. He's fierce, good up the field, good in a straight line. I like Rousseau, but I think at this point in time, Rousseau, and I, I know that Jay's going to be a little bit upset at this, is, is a bit overrated because I think he's a bit one-dimensional and that he's just a very good pass rusher, but I think he's going to get obliterated at the point when it comes to uh, stopping the run. I think he should have played this year. Conversely, I think Jalen Phillips of uh, Boy, of he looked Hurricanes good this year, man. Oh, boy. Really took the opportunity that was afforded to him and stepped up his game. I mean, this was a guy who was rarely talked about in the scouting community before the, uh, before the season began. And now you're looking at, at Phil, uh, Phillips as a potential top 42 choice. Uh, I don't know. Uh, he could go late first round because he plays a priority position. I think he's more top, uh, top around uh, two talents based on, uh, on the play and the fact he's only really done it for one year. I have, I have two quick questions for you, Tony. Number one, who do you feel that's going to be there for the Giants at their 11th pick, okay, after some scenarios that we just went through? And the second thing is is that I always like to ask this uh, about our draft guys. 
who do you feel is is a guy that will will rise up this draft board on on draft day? Uh, maybe a sleeper, if you will, your sleeper. Um, let me know who that is. Answer the first question. <laughs> as far as the Giants pick, they need you know they like to get another cornerback in there. I I think when you look at the size, when you look at the speed, I think Patrick Sertain is definitely a Gettleman type of guy, and I could see Sertain falling to the Giants because teams may be moving up to get a cornerback, maybe teams moving up to get one of the offensive tackles. As far as, uh, two, uh, as, far as a player that's going to really rise up draft force, I'm going to give you two names, one on offense, one on defense. The defensive name would be Zaven Collins, the outside linebacker from Tulsa, who is a complete three-down linebacker. We've become accustomed to the six-foot-one, 220-pound linebackers in recent years going early in the draft. Zaven Collins is six-foot-three, six-foot-four, 250 pounds, He's a throwback-type linebacker, a guy who, I don't want to say he's Lawrence Taylor, but he plays that type of game. Big, physical, strong, forceful up the field on the blitz, can play in coverage, a pre-med major, which tells you something about what's going on between his ears. So I think Collins is a guy that can make a big move up draft boards. Same thing with Rondell Moore of of, uh, Purdue, the receiver. Here's a guy who, I don't know why he doesn't get the pub that Jalen Waddell does, but like Jalen Waddell, he can score from any point on the field, He's a threat anytime he steps to the line of scrimmage. If you watched Purdue, Purdue had no offensive weapons except for Rondell Moore. And opposing teams knew that Rondell Moore was going to get the ball, and they couldn't stop him. The one thing about Rondell Moore is, when you watch the film, I've never seen a guy with such incredible explosion and acceleration in the first three yards after he's caught the ball like this guy is. He gets the first step on defenders, and he is gone. How big is he? Five nine, right? It goes. He's probably slightly shorter than Jalen uh, Jalen Waddle, which is why he's going to be pushed down draft boards. Tony, final question for me. I'll give you one scenario, and then we're going to have Tony on again, folks, closer to the draft, get some rumors, and go a little bit deeper at some of these spots. This is a good way to start the week, though, to kind of give a, a good overarching vision of what's going on with the draft. Giants sitting there at eleven. Tony, they can choose between Sertan, Waddle, Parsons, and I'll throw Rashawn Slater into the mix too. How do you order those guys, and what do you think the Giants should do given their needs? I think you you got to with that situation, <clears throat> the best player available also uh, also fits a need with the Giants with any of them. So I would take Sertain, then Parsons, then Waddle. I'm not as high on Rashawn Slater as other people are. Rashawn Slater was a very good left tackle at Northwestern. I see him more as his own blocking guard. Short arms, is that your worry with him? Well, it, it, short arm, he's not, not, not that tall to begin with, but he's very mobile. Now, here's the thing about uh, Rashawn Slater, which someone's got to explain to me. Rashawn Slater came into the season graded as the number two senior offensive lineman in the nation behind Trey Smith of Tennessee. Rashawn Slater coming into the season was given second-round grades by NFL scouts. Rashawn Slater opted out of the 2020 season. So I don't understand all this love, how all of a sudden he's shooting up draft boards. He's a top (laughs) ten pick, and he's ahead of Penny Sewell. I I just don't understand it. Now, I'm going to go back and rewatch the film because I did my film work on Rashawn Slater last summer. I'm going to go back and watch it again to see if I maybe missed something. But I just don't see how a guy who was graded as the number two senior offensive lineman, graded as a second-round pick coming into the season, now all of a sudden is getting top ten love. Tony, great stuff. Tell the folks where they yeah. can find all your stuff. Find us at uh, Pro Football Network. 
or as I tell my wife, the easiest thing to do is just Google Tony Pauline. You'll find out where I'm at. Tony, <laughs> that's a great answer. Great stuff. We will have you on closer to the draft to kind of dig in the latest rumors and then a little deeper on some of this draft class. Right, bud? Thanks Thank you, for Tony. having me. Tony yep. Pauline, he's the best. And no, no one better to lead off our yeah. faux fake combine draft week <laughs> show thing that we're doing here. Um, he's one of our favorites, and we love Tony. He's great. He does a fantastic job. So, Jeff, anything new from that that you were like, eh, maybe I wasn't no, thinking about that before? Well, you know, to start at the beginning of the conversation, just to, all about, you know, just how everything is going to be tested and, and how these guys are going to work. Um, I, I, I got to believe that, you know, these guys that did opt out, I think they're a little bit of a disadvantage, unfortunately, because of what happened. But um, I think that, you know, for the most part, teams, uh, the medical part of it is going to be so important. Um, so we'll see how that goes in those those sites. Um, John, I think that for some of our listeners too, these XO what are the XOs, um, XOs yes. workouts, this, you know, combine stuff. It's XOs is is a is a group that I, they run the the programs for all of the footballs, right? Is it the, uh, the XOs? Stuff? Well, no, no, those are actually two different companies. I oh, think. they are. Okay. I believe they are. Yes, XOs is also yes. They run a. <laughs> it's funny, and and I, I trust me. I thought they were the same company too, but I think sure. they're actually different. Okay. Um, Exos, one company helps, you know, it's basically a computer program that helps you watch game film yeah. on it. Then yeah. you have these Exos training facilities, E-X-O-S, that they're basically oh, okay. off-season football combine training facilities. Interesting. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that, that's what I was confused about. I didn't know who was running these types of things and where they're just kind of making them up somewhere. But these are actually legitimate facilities these guys go to to train for the combine. Yes, and they and okay. Exos brought in Mark Dominic, the former GM of the Bucks, to actually set these things up. Sure. And it's funny, like over the weekend, Jeff, I was waiting for like the internet to go nuts about what all these yeah. guys tested at and weighed in. And I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm watching, I'm watching, and I'm like, what the heck? Like there's there there's nothing here. Yeah. So I guess it's just a matter of to Tony's point. That a guys weren't allowed there, but b a lot of the players decided not to do it, and we're just going to work out at their pro days instead. Hmm. Yeah, I know that when I was in my playing days, I had um, surgery on my knee back in Phoenix, and there was a place called Athletes Performance, and what is similar was, place, similar place. Yeah, so I, and they had a rehab facility there for guys that were you're having injuries and rehabbing. And then they had the guys there that were training for the combine. So I remember when I was in there rehabbing my knee, the here's the college kids that were doing all their testing and stuff. And you know what? You and I both know that. It's very it, it's very easy if you train for these types of three cone drills, you know, all the stuff that they do, you're going to most likely improve your time. So I think that that's why a lot of these things are like, well, you know, if you ran this a year before and you ran it a year later, you train for it. And that's why Tony was saying a lot of times they take time off or put time on for them. But uh, very interesting about uh, about the quarterback class. And I think that I'm with him. I, I think I don't know about you, John, but I think there will be three in the top ten. Um, I think four. I think we're going to get a you trade think you're up. You're going to get a four. fourth one. I do. Okay. Which, which, by the way, I hope that happens because now we're pushing down the players more towards our eleventh pick for the Giants, which gives you, you know, seven more, uh, you know, shots at it. So now, um, by the way, in his scenario, would you do Sertan, Waddle, or Parsons, or well, Slater? Here, for that here's matter? here's the thing that I that kind of made a little sense to me, and I haven't really so much thought about the cornerback position because I just feel like. There's just, you know, the way that Dave Gettleman has been talking about wide receiver. And, of course, if, if Panay Sewell is there, you would certainly take him. But Tony said something that kind of resonated with me was that 
you know, Patrick Sertain is that is a Dave Gettleman type of cornerback, which which really kind of I don't know, you know, I think that And by the way, I was, I also think he's a Joe Judge type of cornerback. And I think okay. with corners and okay. wide receivers, Jeff, and I'll just throw out this the reason why and and uh then you can finish. But Joe Judge always says during his press conferences, right? You know, oh, it's great the wide receiver catches passes. I need my wide receivers to block. They only catch passes on, you know, yeah. a, a seventh sure. of their plays. So yeah. I think he's going to prioritize that. And same thing for corners, right? He's going to mm-hmm. want guys that are willing to tackle. Mm-hmm. And Patrick Sertan's a guy that's willing to stick his nose in there and tackle. So go ahead. I'm sorry. And again, you. and, and I, I don't, you know, he's an Alabama player. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, right. I think that that makes a big deal for Joe Judge and, um, and for anybody, any coach that's coaching in the National Football League, guys coming from Alabama. Right. Um, you're not going to go wrong there. Um, now, by the way, there's a chance that all these mock drafts are wrong. But, uh, you know, sure. a lot of people think Sertan might be ticketed to Dallas at 10. Well, listen, I, I check them every day, right? Because it's just what we do. And I like to, I'm, I'm into it. And I, I'm looking at these things. And I, like I told you last week, Panay Sewell had dropped to the 11th pick for the Giants. I saw another one today that that did. I also saw Kyle Pitts down there again. So, you know, to me, um, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be uh, upset at any of these guys that the Giants get because I think you're going to get a quality player no matter who it is at the 11th pick, John. Um, sure. But I, it's very interesting that what he had mentioned about the wide receivers and how he how he classified them. To me, I feel like the Giants don't need to go after that wide receiver unless it's Pitts because I feel like that there's going to be good enough ones that even Tony had mentioned um, you know, where's Bateman? Where's he going to go? How far is he going to go back down? You know, maybe the second round with that 40-second pick with the Giants is where I would like to nab my receiver that maybe is still still there and has dropped down. It's, it's still a good pick. Did you see the rumor on the time he ran this weekend, by the way? I did not. I know you were, you were saying something about it. Was it slow? 4-3-9. Oh, wow. Okay. That everyone was kind of taken aback by that. So, <laughs> okay. It was a time that was out there. I'm, again, who knows how, you know. Well, that's see, that's know. the thing. But see, that this is what we're going to get this year. We are going to get such a discrepancy in times, you know, because there isn't the official time of the combine anymore, right? You know, it's not there. Oh, I went a four two eight, and yeah. I went a four two seven, and you know, and I I didn't I didn't think about that, but is it? I mean. If I'm a scout, I'm I'm going to go measure that 40-yard dash before I, think I get <laughs> – if it's 39 and three-quarters, you know, I want to know about this stuff. And I didn't know about the – what was it, the what the 40-yard uh, – oh, is it at Ohio State? They have a they have a black rubber track that they run <laughs> yeah, it on. Yeah, I didn't know that either. And and, and, <laughs> and Penn State's another school that, that, that oh. is known for a particularly yeah. fast track. Interesting, interesting. So, well, listen, we got a little bit of – time to to talk about all this stuff going forward it's going to change constantly yep um you know mac jones to me is one of those safe picks and i think that you know he's a lot like daniel jones right john i mean when you think about how good daniel jones did at the at the uh, senior bowl and um you know people had dave gettleman had his, their eyes on him and that just kind of solidified that choice for them don't miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giant games and world-class concerts in 2021 as a Giant Suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com suites for more information. Hey, Giant fans, get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with the Giants branded debit card security features and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to $250 when you open an account at InvestorsBank.com slash Giants, member FDIC. Let's go to the phones, Jeff, at 973-667-1960. Call, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? 
Hey guys, it's Peter from Florida Keys. How you doing? What's up, Pete? Hey, Peter. Hey, I just ran a, I just ran my forty down here in the Florida Keys in the sand. I ran a four point three nine also. So. <laughs> okay, we that, got that. That's that, good. That is some fast sand. With no shoes on there, either. Pete. Yeah, that's even better. <laughs> exactly. Hey, I had a question for you, John, about the CBA. Yeah. And then I, I had a hypothetical question for you guys, just to humor me, if that's okay. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So the CBA. Um, Friday, you guys had a really good uh, show, and on the show you talked about Sam Beal. My question for you, John, does it state anywhere in the CBA multiple years of opting out? For instance, if COVID lasts another four or five years because we have idiots in this country, um, can Sam Beal opt out two, three, even four years and they just pause? His contract? Yeah, that is not part of the CBA, per se, Pete. That is something additional that the players and teams negotiated, and I believe Jeff was a one-shot deal for last year. Mm -hmm. So any other additional specific COVID measures would have to be renegotiated again in 2021. My guess would be the NFL, and again, this is just a guess, don't hold me to it, given the fact that these players should have vaccinations available to them at some point this summer before training camp begins, that they will not allow players to opt out because they will have the option, if they so choose, to get the vaccine. So that would be my guess. I do not know that for sure. Uh, But my guess is that we're probably not going to have more of these opt-outs because of vaccine availability. I agree. Mm, Interesting. Okay, cool. And my hypothetical, it's actually a good segue to what you guys were just talking about. Say uh, Joe Judge, Judge picks up the phone, calls Nick Saban, and they talk about Mac Jones. Saban says that he's special. Giants evaluate him and oh, give him boy. a first-round grade. Okay? Say Mac Jones slips to the third round. Giants are on the board. Now, Well, first of all, he's not going to the third for, round. For, for, yeah. no, so that's yeah. – Let's be realistic. Let's say he's there, and this is probably, by the way, let's say this probably, this isn't realistic either, but for at least to make your hypothetical somewhat plausible, let's say Uh he's there at 42, and now you can continue your question. That's fair. So I guess my point is, Judge and Garrett, they didn't select him, okay? They didn't select Daniel Jones. And who knows really what Judge and Garrett really want to do based on their scheme. Maybe, Maybe Daniel Jones just isn't a fit for him. Well, you know? the, 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 also, there's nothing, though, I will say this, Pete, very quickly. There's nothing that Mac Jones can do from a physical standpoint that Daniel Jones can't do. I, I would believe, you know, I would think that Matt Jones, uh, Mac is more accurate than Daniel Jones. Yeah, right, but that, that that's a skill. That's not, that, not going to, you know, determine scheme fit. You know what I mean? So you don't think that if the Giants are sitting with their second pick, they would want to hedge their bet and pick Mac Jones? Oh no! Look, they might. They, look, if they get there to forty-two and like Mac Jones uh-huh. is like the seventh player on their board, I mean, yeah. Dave, Dave Gettleman has been very clear that he is not worried about picking you know above somebody on the depth chart. I mean, I wouldn't rule out anything. I would be surprised by it, but. If they have, like, a top 10 player on the board available at 42nd, no matter the position, would I say it's impossible? No, I would not. But, again, and this is the point I think Jeff made earlier, that I don't think they're going to run into this being a possibility at all. 
And here's my take on this. So when you have your big board and you have your grades on each one of these players, and let's just assume that we're going on best player available scenario. John just hit on it. You know, uh, Dave Gettleman is not going to be afraid to pick above the player. Okay. So that's one thing. The other thing is this, Daniel Jones, this is a big year for him. And I think that if he has a great year and, and we hope he does, um, then, you know, that's all fine and dandy. But what happens if all of a sudden Daniel Jones isn't what you think he is and the Giants drafted a Mac Jones at number 42, okay? Well, they don't have to – they're not going to get a new contract with Daniel Jones going forward. They're now going to have another quarterback there so that they just drafted. So I don't see nothing – I see nothing wrong with it. I don't think it will happen. But I feel like the backup quarterback position to me is, is very, very important in the National Football League today and more importantly it's a young one and it's and it's a cap friendly one remember these guys are on five well second year will be on four-year contracts but you don't have to pay them a lot of money so that's my take on it and again hypothetical here will he be at 42 especially for what we and i and paul just talked about it's i don't think he's going to be there wow i am actually surprised that you guys think that it could potentially happen no i won't i thought no, I no. thought you guys were going to say I'm nuts for even bringing it up. Oh, no, no, no. We would, <laughs> no, 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 Pete, if you would have said picking him at 11, we would say oh, no. you're nuts. But if he's yeah, sitting I there, agree. look, if they're sitting, if he's sitting there in the second, look, these, these are a lot of ifs here, a lot of hypotheticals. If, if he's sitting there at 42, or what is it, 43, wherever the Giants are picking. 42. It is 42, I'm sorry. If the Giants are sitting there at 42 and he's there and. He, they have him graded as like a top 10 player, then yeah, they would consider. I mean, maybe on their draft board, they have Mac Jones as the 55th player on their board. I don't mm-hmm. know where they have him ranked. Right, so right. these are all a lot of, you know, hypotheticals we're kind of putting into a into a churn here, and, and, and that's kind of what's popping out. Yeah, and I know there was a lot of variables there. I guess the, the key, what I'm saying is, Joe Judge has Saban's ear, and Saban can, can sure evaluate people. And if he says, hey, this guy's special, just like Tua is special, you know. Maybe uh, maybe that sways, you know, decisions, specifically with the new coach and the new offensive line that never picked Daniel Jones to begin with. Thank you, yep. Pete. Yep. Thanks, Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. You're welcome. No, nah, but look, I want to make this clear, though, before people start trying to accuse us of trying to replace Daniel Jones here. <laughs> Please do. Because I don't want to be getting a phone call when the show's over. Wait, I'm just kidding. We wouldn't get that phone call because, because no one's listening anyway. I'm just kidding. Um, so. <laughs> but, you know, from what, I, what I'm – you know what I'm saying, John? Like, if, right. And it all depends on – and I prefaced the whole conversation before by saying we're going to go on best player available here. Right. And, and that's, that's really what predicates the pick. Right. And I'll just say this again – Joe Judge has been as fierce in his, you know, putting down his money on the table that Daniel Jones is the team starter next year. He has not been as firm about that as nearly anything over the course of the last year we've known him, right? He's always hedging his bets, doesn't want to commit to anything. He has committed to Daniel Jones, period, stop. Dave Gettleman has... John Mara has. Now, that doesn't mean you don't draft another player at that position, but they are not looking to replace Daniel Jones. Let me be very clear about that. Mm-hmm. That is not what they're looking to do. If a player falls into their lap that's graded so highly they can't pass him up, who knows? Maybe that could happen. No way to know. But if but, it but if it did, John, right. then it happens. Right. You know, you, you now you've got yourself a, a a 
<laughs> a high pick. And Jones has missed what five games due to injury the last and two there's years. My, so my, my point yeah. exactly. So and and here's the other one. We know that year three is going to be really big for Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is going to have to show the fans and the organization something this year, okay? And if they ended up drafting a quarterback at that 42nd position and Daniel Jones didn't have a very good year, they've already got a quarterback in the lining. So I'm just saying it, it could make sense. I doubt it's going to happen. But, it, but if it does, there's reason for it, right? Reason meaning best player available reasons. That's my point. I don't think they're looking to draft somebody to replace Daniel Jones, you know, speaking because we Joe Judge has been committed to them, to him. We know that. I know that for many reasons because we don't want to start talking about quarterbacks at the 11th position. Maybe some people do. Charlie. <clears throat> but not this year. We're not going to do it. We're going to have to wait and see. This time next year, we'll be having this conversation or we may not be having this conversation. Well, hopefully, hopefully we're not having That's the what I'm saying. I'm hoping right. not that Daniel Jones goes to the Pro Bowl and brings his team to the, to the playoffs and – you know, and if they did draft a quarterback at 42, he's sitting there learning underneath Daniel Jones. There you go. 973-667-1960. Let's go back to the phones. We'll try to squeeze in two more callers, but we only have one on hold. Caller, you're on the air. What is your name and where are you calling from? Yes, hi. It's uh, Duke from Queens. Duke, what's up? Hi, Duke. Hey, how's it going? Hey, what's up, Jeff? Um, I wanted to just talk about what I would do in the draft. Sure. Um, you know, at first I was really against uh, drafting Kyle Pitts because of the nature of the uh, past first round tight ends um, and, and how they you know played mm -hmm. out in, in the mm -hmm. NFL. But then I you know I, I was I was someone brought the point up to me that you know if you're able to get a large sum of production out of a tight end, then tight ends they it's a fact that they get paid a lot less than the uh, wide receivers in free agency, yep. and yet they still are a portion. Of the... Can you hear that? I'm sorry. No, that's that, that, Duke. That's okay. Just keep your head down, man. Watch okay. out for watch out for those cops, dude. <laughs> so, so you know, and that's a good point that they get paid less, yet it's still sort of the same production, and and so that's making me think more about maybe getting a Kyle Pitts at 11. But my biggest concern still is the offensive line, and that's sort of why I want to go the Rashawn Slater route. And I'm not afraid to put him in at guard because we still don't know what's going to happen with our guards and how they're going to play out in the future. So well, I, that's I, what I'm I, saying. I, you know, you do. You yeah. try him at tackle. If he's great, they're good. Otherwise, I really think you have a plug-and-play all-pro guard with that guy after watching him. He is going to be like the whoever drafted him will be that team's version of Zach Martin. That's what he's going to be. And I do not say exactly. that lightly, but that's how much I liked him on tape. Exactly. And and besides that, like, if another thing, and I, I think I'm in the minority with this, I actually think Jalen Waddell has a really high ceiling. And I think, I, I may sound crazy, but I think I would put Jalen Waddell's ceiling above any other wide receiver in his class. And I say that just because of what he's able to do after the ball is in his hand. Like, I get, I get the the Jamar Chase's appeal. Like, he almost seems like the more safe guy. No, Duke, you know? you're right. If, if your priority yeah. is making a play with the ball in his hands, then Waddle would be your guy. Exactly. And and I don't I – mean, okay, I actually – I have a question because I didn't have one, but now I have one, and then I'll take it all Okay, here, sure. To let other people talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, out of the three wide receivers, which do you think is the best fit for the Giants offense? 
And that's my question. Thank you, guys. Okay, thank you, Duke. Uh, Jamar Chase, and it's not close. Mm-hmm. Jamar Chase, like we talk about, oh, we think Devontae free, uh, Devonta Smith can be your be your ex. Waddle, oh, he's, you know, slottish, but a speed slot guy. You know what Jamar Chase is? Jamar Chase is DeAndre Hopkins. You put him out there. He's your ex. You put him on the line of scrimmage. He's physical. He does everything you want a player to do to fit that role. He fits perfectly with Slayton, who's your deep threat. Shepard, who's your slot guy. Chase does everything well as that, you know, prototypical X wide receiver. Jeff, for me, that answer and question is an easy one. Yeah, well, it's not a realistic one. <laughs> it's not going to happen, right? I mean, he's going he's gonna to be gone. So I think from the guys that maybe that we have, that the Giants may have availability to, I would, I don't know, John, who do you think the next guys are? I would say probably Smith. I would say Smith and then Waddle. Though I've had people argue that they think Smith might be more of a flanker, more of a, you know, more of a Z than a, sure. than an X. Yeah. Um, but regardless, they all can make plays after the ball's in their hands, and that's what you want out of all these guys. You want playmakers, and that's what Dave Gettleman's looking for. All right, let's do one more call, Jeff, sure. before we say goodbye. Calls, yep. Yeah, 973-667-1960. Call, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, it's Scott in New Mexico. Scott, hey, Scott. hey. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard J.J. Watt just signed with Arizona. Is about oh, oh my Arizona. God. Where did Ari- that one come Arizona, from? Arizona, huh? That I did like not see that. Blue. Thank you, Scott. Okay. Uh, <laughs> since your time is short, I, I'm going to try to do this quickly. As I've been listening all week, uh, last week, uh, to what the Giants need, I sort of listed who they need. They need a guard. They need a cornerback. They need a wide receiver. They need an edge rusher. They need a tackle or a guard. More than likely, Wayne Goldman, I don't think, is going to come back, so they're going to need a running back. And it, I could go on and on, but the, the real key to this is how do you mitigate risk with whatever you do, whether it be free agency or it be through the draft? Because going back to Tony Pauline's comments about the Senior Bowl, Will Hernandez was a standout in the Senior Bowl, and he's not. We don't even know if he's going to start this year. Kyle Laletta, for example, was also a most valuable player, not with the Giants any longer. So, as much faith as I put in the draft, the one thing I'm always concerned with is how do you mitigate risk so you get the best people to be put on the football field. Sure. And my like. They need a cover linebacker, and I'd opt to do somebody in free agency like a K.J. Wright, uh, who I think can cover and is a, a great blitzing quarter, uh, linebacker as well, rather than take the risk in the draft, although there are a lot of players. But my central question that I'm going to get off the air, because I know you guys are short on time, is <clears throat> if you're leaning one way or the other and you have p- specific positions that are of utmost importance, do you opt more for somebody with experience like a Richard Sherman or a Patrick Peterson for that cornerback position or just so that you can be competitive this year as opposed to a long scheme type of approach where it might be three or four years before you can actually get into the playoffs? And that's the direction I'd like to see the Giants go, get more experience where they need it, the cornerback and maybe a guard if possible, and then opt for a wide receiver in the draft. But I wanted to get your comments mm. as to what you think is the most effective method so you really mitigate the risk. And, uh, and now, thanks, guys, for taking my no, call. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, thanks, Scott. If you want to mitigate risk, do not draft a cornerback. Cornerbacks are even the best ones struggle in their first year. So if your mm-hmm. priority is to be really good in year one, then the cornerback might not be for you. 
to be honest with you, because he might look, look, look remember Jeffrey Okuda last year, Jeff? Did we hear one bad thing about Jeffrey Okuda leading nope. up to the draft last nope. year? And he nope. did not have a great year for Detroit. So yep. these corners can struggle in their first year. So if you want to be safe there and mitigate risk, go get a cornerback in free agency. Yep. Wide receivers, as as to, to the, we've talked about, you can kind of get one of those guys. And frankly, you can get a guard right away in the draft. If you pick the right guy, that's going to help you right away too. But the position that I worry about in year one, and frankly, linebacker struggle early too. I mean, Devin Smith wasn't great his first year. Um, so that's another position where all right, you're not probably not going to get that as big of a bump as you want in year one from mm-hmm. corner or linebacker if you go the draft route with that spot. Well, the linebacker position, depending on what kind of a system he came from, was he a 3-4 or 4-3? You know, so, I mean, sometimes these guys are drafted, you know, that they're going to be uh, – penciled in to play an outside linebacker position. I, I, I agree with you. I, I think when you want to mitigate risk, you, you and this is the whole thing about free agency to me, okay? I know what I got. I got, I got, I got history behind veterans that are, have, that are free agents. I can see how they play. I know, their, I know their medical histories. I know how they grade it out. So, you know, as long as I don't overpay for them, because history tells you, John, and you know this, you don't get a lot of it, free agency is is a crapshoot. It really is. Um, Not as the, much as the draft, though. But but my point is, is it costs you more. Uh, that's true. Yeah, you're right. It costs yep. you more to to you have. There's not as much unknown, but it costs you more. You know where the 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 draft there is a lot of unknown, but it doesn't cost you a lot of money, and you and you're going to put credence in your coaching staff and people to develop those players. That maybe one day you might be able to hold on to them in a second contract, but. Um, I'm with you as far as mitigating risk as you go with the veteran players. And I think that the cornerback, the linebacker position, I think the other position, um, you know, the linemen, the interior linemen, I think you can probably get away with a little bit more mistakes, but your tackles, I don't think you can. I mean, those are, you got to. Well, you know what, though? <laughs> Tell that to Tristan Wirtz, Jedrick Wills, and Makai Beckton last year. They did pretty good in that first year. They did. They did. And um, But, yes, generally speaking, I think you're right. So, and then with defense, I think the, you know, the interior guys, um, you know, you can take a little bit more risk on those guys because they're not your, you know, they're not going to lose games with those and by the way, players. Edge players take a little while too. A lot 100%. of times those edge players don't come out right away either. Well, it's because look what they're going against. They're well, going against yeah. your third and fourth highest paid players on the roster and they're good. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, Jeff, really quickly, the Cardinal contract for Watt, according to Adam Schefter, and J.J. Watt announced this himself, so it's not 15? exactly. Uh, two years. 31, okay. so 15 and a half per. Guess how much of that 31 is guaranteed? 31. 23. <laughs> okay. It's a lot for a guy that's over 30 and oft injured, but I just interesting. Yeah, well, it, I, he's made a lot of money, and listen, he's been a, an MVP how many times in the league, so. Um, All right, stop calling people, please. Hmm? I know the phone keeps ringing. People oh, keep trying gotcha. to call um, Well, the Arizona, that was, uh, that was out of the. Like, yeah, nowhere. that was not mentioned anywhere. Yeah, warm weather. Can't go yeah. wrong. Yeah. Well, that's what happens. Um, as long as – listen, when I was going through free agency, there wasn't – there was always 10 teams beating down the door for me. But as long as you had more than one, you had a play, you had different players, you had people wanting your services, you're, you, you benefit from that. But J.J. and DeAndre Hopkins reunited. Well, I know that probably DeAndre Hopkins had a big deal in, in getting him there. I read about that a few, a few weeks ago, how he was, you know, stepping into – uh, whatever the GM is down there in Arizona saying, hey, we got to get this guy here. Kind now the next one to defect, we'll see what happens to Deshaun Watson. That one's going down. I think that's going to take a while, Jeff. But it's going down, though. All right, we, we, we got to roll, bud. 
No, we got another hour, John. No, we Thank do you. not. I, I have an angry toddler upstairs. <laughs> All right, I got Counting you. down on the clock. Thank you, John. Thank All you, right. callers. Thank you, guys. That yep. was Big Blue Kickoff Live on the Giants Podcast Network presented by Investors Bank. Uh, you can find the archive of all of our shows at Giants.com slash podcast or Giants Mobile App and all your favorite podcast platforms. The show's over. Stop calling. For Jeff Fiegels, I'm John Schmoke. We'll see you next time, everybody. Stay safe out there.